0: Hi, I'm Warren Cood with 3C Ranch in Fort Stockton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello Texas, so glad you've joined us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the right to repair your own equipment has been an issue for quite some time now. And some good news on that subject came out of the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Puerto Rico this week. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Secretary of Agriculture addresses farm income concerns at the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on what he said to farmers and ranchers from Texas and across the nation on Texas Ag Today.
3: One thing that might help farmers keep growing corn in the water-challenged Texas High Plains is planting fewer seeds. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
2: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The American Farm Bureau Convention is underway this week in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And one of the big news items coming out of the convention is the signing of a memorandum of understanding between American Farm Bureau and John Deere. That memorandum ensures farmers and ranchers right to repair their own farm equipment. AFBF President Zippy Duvall says this effort follows years of work. This is an issue that's been a priority for us for several years and has taken a lot of work to get to this point. And as you use equipment, we all know at some point in time there's going to be problems with it. And we did have problems with having the opportunity to repair our equipment where we wanted to or either repair it on the farm. David Gilmore of John Deere says the memorandum will help farmers get equipment back in the field quickly following a breakdown.
0: It's vitally important that we have an opportunity for American Farm Bureau Federation and industry to come together to solve issues and opportunities that we have. Machinery and equipment and the products that our customers invest in are a large investment. And the opportunity for them to maximize the uptime of that equipment and minimize downtime is an important area of focus for our organization and for the industry.
2: AFBF President Duvall explains what farmers and ranchers can expect as a result of this partnership. It ensures our farmers that they can repair their equipment and have access to the diagnostic tools and product guides so that they can find their problems and find solutions for them. And this is the beginning of a process that we think is going to be real healthy for our farmers and for the company because what it does is it sets up an opportunity for our farmers to really work with John Deere on a personal basis AFBF hopes the memorandum will serve as a model for other manufacturers. Now with more on the American Farm Bureau Convention, here's Tom Nicoletti. Texas farmers and ranchers are among the thousands of producers in San Juan, Puerto Rico this week for the 104th American Farm Bureau Federation Convention. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack addressed producers from all 50 states plus Puerto Rico on the robust farm income over the last two years, but a concern from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Economic Research Service.
0: And despite the fact that we've had the two best years of farm income, here's the reality, and here's the concern. This is from an ERS report recently, in which it quotes, in recent years, notwithstanding the increase in income, around half of farm households had negative farm income. And just today, ERS issued a report in which it shows that for most U.S. farm families, off-farm income is the main source of income. And so I'm here today to talk a bit about thinking anew. Over the last two years, we've begun a process of putting in place a plan of action to try to focus American agriculture on productivity, profitability, sustainability, and resilience. We've looked at ways to create new and more valuable commodities so that farmers can benefit more from the markets that exist. We've looked for ways to increase new and better markets for our farmers so that we can create competition. We've looked for ways in which we can encourage and increase the number of revenue streams available to farmers so that they not only can benefit from the sale of crops or the sale of livestock, but that they have other additional revenue streams available to them. That is Secretary of Agriculture
2: Tom Vilsack. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A Texan has spent the last year as chair of the American Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Committee. Gary Joyner has her thoughts from the convention.
4: I'm in Puerto Rico at the National Meeting of the American Farm Bureau Federation, and I'm joined by the outgoing chairperson of the American Farm Bureau Federation Young Farmer and Rancher Committee, Alicia Swartner of Runnels County. So tell me about your year. Now that you're about to take the stage for the last time, are you proud of what you've done this past year?
5: Absolutely, um, it's been an honor and uh, honestly a blessing to serve uh, the National Wife and Our Committee, and really to represent Texas. I'm very proud of everything that the committee has accomplished this okay. year. We've produced a newsletter to increase communication with the states. Um, we've we've improved some of our virtual programs to continue on post COVID and really organize and, and retain and improve membership. Uh, or attendance to those meetings and so those are those are some highlights of what we've been able to accomplish in addition to a plethora of other things and really I'm just honored to serve with a group of such strong leaders.
4: Is it what you thought it would be or now that you look back it was so much more?
5: Way better. I, it's hard to put into words um, really the experience that I've been able to obtain, uh, not just as chair, but just in general as a committee member. Uh, it's hard to put into words what the people that we meet and the experiences that we get, the opportunities that we're able to be a part of. Um, words can't describe it.
4: You were the first Texan to ever have that position, Are you hope there's others behind you?
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to see more Texas our members as members of the national and our committee and I would absolutely love to see another Texas wife and our member as chair.
4: Are you a better ambassador for agriculture now than you were?
5: hundred percent. hundred percent. I think it's so important what the Young Farmers and Ranchers program does for other young individuals in agriculture uh, and for American Farm Bureau. The, the purpose of the program is really to develop and improve our speaking skills and our leadership skills and really the, the advocacy skills and to prepare us for what American Farm Bureau does. Um, and, and I 100% believe that I've taken away some skills that, that will prepare me for that.
4: Are you going to get some family time back, maybe, that you haven't had this last year?
5: I hope so. That's the plan, at least. Uh, I, I promised my husband that I would take a breath before I say yes to the next big thing. So I owe him that. Uh, he's been a trooper. We, we serve on the committee together, and he's done a wonderful job of helping take care of our three little boys while I've been gone and everything around the ho- uh, around home and on the farm. Um, so I can't say enough good things about everything that he's done while also serving on the committee. Um, but, yes, I'm ready to be busy for my boys. <laughs>
4: That's Alicia Swartner of Runnels County, outgoing chair of the American Farm Bureau Federation Young Farmer and Rancher Committee. I'm Gary Joyner in Puerto Rico for Texas Ag Today.
2: Another big farm meeting happening this week is the Beltwide Cotton Conferences in New Orleans. Lauren Krogman with the National Cotton Council is the coordinator of the event.
6: What the Beltwide Cotton Conferences are is uh, 12 concurrent conferences from Anything from sustainability to consultants conference, weed conference, Um, there's numerous different topics all included in those three-day sessions. And uh, it helps to provide attendees timely updates on latest research, technology, and issues affecting U.S. cotton production and processing.
2: And Krugman says they're expecting a great attendance this year.
6: Yeah, so our registration numbers are, are holding strong, and we're looking to have close to a 1,000 attendees this year, we hope.
2: The Beltwide Cotton Conferences run through Thursday of this week at the New Orleans Marriott in the French Quarter. Corn farmers on the Texas High Plains face a lot of challenges as water availability declines. James Hunt takes a look at one practice that may help.
3: With Pioneer's crop production clinics taking place at various locations across the area, a key theme this year is helping farmers continue to grow profitable corn crops despite challenges with water like declining well capacity. Madison McMillan is Pioneer Seeds Territory Manager for areas south of Amarillo and into New Mexico. McMillan says one thing that farmers who are facing well issues can consider is lower seeding rates maybe even as low as 15,000 seeds per acre.
6: In the past, normal's been right around 32,000. That's back when you had over 600-gallon water available. Now that's becoming not a common thing. So anywhere from that twenty-four to 26,000 population is becoming the more, more norm. Um, and then depending on how much water you have available or how much profile, uh profile that you have, some customers are dropping it even lower than that to have a better yield expectation.
3: McMillan says in her service area, a lot more corn is going to silage. Now, as to the schedule for the Pioneer Clinics, we've given you the times and locations for the Northern Panhandle sessions in previous reports, but for the more southern area, Pioneer Clinics are being held Friday, January 13th at the Carson County Ag Building in Panhandle, Tuesday, January 17th at the Hereford Civic Center in Harford; Wednesday, January 18th at Bailey County Electric Cooperative in Muleshoe and Thursday, January 19th at the Plainview Country Club in Plainview. Each meeting will open at 8.30 a.m. and will run until about 4.15 p.m. Admission is free and several CEUs will be available. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
6: Over the next two weeks, the state will be dropping oral rabies vaccinations in 18 Texas counties. I'm Jessica Dolmull, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today
2: and keeping pets warm during winter is a big concern. Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture
2: on Texas Ag Today. Keeping pets warm during winter is a big concern. Dr. Bob Judd has more.
7: Dr. Jennifer Hennessy indicates at Texvetpets.com that a pet's tolerance to cold is influenced by factors such as the thickness of the hair coat, the amount of body fat, overall age and health, and how well the animal acclimates to the environment. Dr. Hennessy is a member of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association, and she indicates pets in warmer climates will struggle with adapting to colder locations. Hair coats usually become more dense in the colder weather, but this varies with the breed. When it gets cold enough for us to need a coat, our pets at least need a doghouse as a windbreak. Small dogs may enjoy the use of a sweater if we need a sweater, but larger dogs or those with long hair do not need a sweater in most cases when temperatures are above freezing. Some of the long-haired breeds love the cold weather and do fine outside if they are acclimated to the temperature. In fact, all animals do pretty well with increasing or decreasing temperatures if they are out in the weather and the temperature gradually changes, assuming they are reasonably healthy. The problem is with an abrupt change in temperature, such as can occur in the fall when the weather is 75 degrees one day and 30 degrees two days later. In this case, the animals have not had time to acclimate and are more likely to need to be brought into the house at least during the night when it is the coldest. On the other hand, if you have an outside healthy dog, bringing them inside at night in a 70-degree environment and then sending them out in the next morning in 30 degrees weather is also a change in environment. So I believe these dogs have less stress just staying outside in a good doghouse unless it is terribly cold and wet. If you have other questions about keeping your pets warm, contact me at texvet at txfb.org. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio
2: Network. Over the next two weeks, the state will be dropping oral rabies vaccinations in 18 Texas counties. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report.
6: To protect both wild and domestic animals, over the next two weeks, the Texas Department of State Health Services will drop nearly 814,000 oral rabies vaccination baits along the Texas-Mexico border. The baits will be dropped in 18 counties this year to vaccinate animals that may cross the border with new or existing strains of rabies that would harm Texas wildlife and livestock. The baits contain non-infectious portions of the rabies virus. The baits are small plastic packets dipped in fish oil and coated with fish meal crumbles that are designed to attract coyotes and gray foxes. As the animals consume the baits, they become vaccinated against rabies. Dr. Susan Rollo, director of the oral rabies vaccination program, says the vaccine is proven safe in sixty species of mammals and birds. The vaccine cannot cause rabies in humans or animals even if it is ingested. However, if a human or domestic animal is exposed to the vaccine, Rolo said DSHS should be contacted. This is not the first time that DSHS has dropped oral rabies vaccine baits from the air. The first bait drop took place in 1995 in South Texas to control an outbreak caused by a domestic dog coyote variant of the rabies virus. Thanks to that drop, the number of animal cases caused by the variant went from 122 in 1994 to zero by 2000. There have been two cases of rabies due to the domestic dog and coyote's rabies variant since that time. Each were noted within a mile of the Rio Grande. DSHS says immunizing pets and livestock is critical to prevent disease spread and to protect animals and their owners. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Duhlman.
2: It's time for a check on the markets. We'll have a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday. When we settled things out, live cattle closed steady to higher. The nearby February was that steady contract. It was unchanged at 157.75, while April live cattle were up 12, 161.65, June live cattle up a nickel at 157.50. Same story on the feeder market. We had a mixed close, some contracts higher, some lower. January feeder cattle up 67 cents, 184.30. March up 20, 186.50. While April feeders were down 10 cents at 190.52. Cash fed kettle market still quiet for the week. Feed lots here in the south asking 158 to 159, but no trade is expected until Thursday or Friday. Boxed beef prices lower on Tuesday. Choice down 96 cents to 85.18. Select down fifty cents two fifty nine ten. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with
8: Larry Marble. Rodney Butler sells cattle. Sells good cattle on Friday down in Beeville. Rodney sold them this last Friday. Rodney, how those good cattle sell? Good cattle always sell good, but the old market, I think, was 8 to 12 cents higher than what it was in December, sir. Well, good. Let's walk those pens. All right. We had 581 head of cattle, no horses, and we had five goats. And the old market was sure enough high and strong. Your two to three hundred pound steers, a dollar thirty five to two sixty, heifers, a dollar forty seven to two oh seven, your three hundred four hundred pound steers, a dollar ninety four to two sixty, heifers, a dollar forty eight to two dollars, your four hundred five hundred pound steers, a dollar seventy one to two twenty, heifers, a dollar fifty five to a dollar ninety one, five hundred six hundred pound steers, a dollar sixty seven to two ten, heifers, a dollar fifty to a dollar ninety, six hundred seven hundred pound steers, a dollar fifty one to a dollar eighty four, heifers, a dollar forty two to a dollar 800 eight hundred pound steers, a dollar forty one to $1.69, dollar sixty-nine and heifers a dollar thirty-five to a dollar fifty. Packers cows and bulls sold steady. They brought anywhere from thirty to eighty-one cents. Bulls brought from fifty-one to a dollar. We didn't have any stocker cows, and our bred cows brought anywhere from five hundred to eight sixty. And the few pairs we had brought nine hundred to eleven sixty. Sir, sounds like you had a good sale. What was the count? We had five hundred eighty-one head of cattle. What do you anticipate for this Friday, Rodney? Uh, I know several bunches of cattle coming that I know of coming this week that they wanted to wait till the second week to sell. So I'm sure we'll have another five to six on our head again this friday sir we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you yeah if i can help and market your cattle call me in 361-358-1727 or y'all can call me on my mobile 645-5002 we'll talk to you later in the week thank you so much sounds good thank you sir and take care bye-bye neighbor i'm larry marble in deep south texas reporting for texas ag today
2: Thanks Larry, back over to the futures trade now. where lean hogs closed lower Tuesday. February hogs down a dollar, 79.80, while April was down a dollar, 27.8952. Class 3 milk was lower. January milk down 17 cents, 19.53 100 weight. February milk down 12, 19.03 100. The cotton market closed lower Tuesday after a strong opening. But several factors pushed prices down, producers selling, as well as traders squaring up positions for Thursday's crop report. U.S. dollar was also higher, and that put a lid on prices. March cotton down 146 points, 84.76. May cotton down 130 points, 84.84, while new crop December was down 111 at 82.03. Corn market finished mixed, nearby contracts higher, the deferreds lower, those nearby contracts getting support from continued dry weather in Argentina. March corn up 2 and a quarter, 655 a bushel, May corn up one and a half, 654 and a half, with September corn down a quarter penny, 605 and a quarter. Double-digit losses in the wheat market, both hard and soft wheat losing ground Tuesday. March Kansas City wheat down sixteen and three quarters, eight eleven and three quarters. New crop July down fifteen and three quarters, eight oh six and three quarters. Soft wheat finished lower. July Chicago wheat down eleven cents, seven forty four and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas down twenty seven cents, three sixty three. February crude oil up fifty three at seventy five sixteen a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 107 points, 33,625. The Nasdaq up 73 at 10,709, while the S&P was up 17, 3,909. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A.